Welcome to the seventh episode of VS Tomorrow 2017 Recaps from Reality TV Warriors, where the fun never stops. My name is Michael Armstrong, and joining me as always is a Canadian who always has a kink in his cable, Logan Saunders. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. It's a very sad episode as we have to say goodbye to the People's Princess Emanuela this episode. I was not expecting her to go this episode, even though I should have figured there was a very likely possibility when there's a one in three chance or a one in two chance if one of the trio that was exempt at the end of the previous episode happens to be the ball. Yeah, and sadly, she was meant to go home last episode as well. She did personally save herself. Well, at least the non-elimination gave us one extra episode of Emanuela. Yeah, it's vastly improved. The season is just one more episode of Emanuela being peak Emanuela. And I have heard that um, Emanuela is apparently trying to rehabilitate her image at the moment, so we might actually get her on an All-Star 2 season. Rehabilitate her image? What, ha- what happened to her? Have we not discussed this? I don't think so. So Emanuela, after the season, probably about 12-18 months after the season, um, got done on drugs charges. What? I think you may have referenced it once, but it was before I started watching the season, so I probably didn't connect the dots. You probably just said, oh, this happened to a contestant named Emanuela. Yeah, she was sentenced to prison for dealing drugs at the Tomorrowland Festival. What kind of drugs? Statements claim she was in possession of a number of different drugs at Tomorrowland. However, she had a further approximate 100 ecstasy pills, 20 grams of cocaine, 10 grams of ketamine, and a few amounts of MDMA in her hotel room. And she claims her intent to sell was for the sole purpose of preparing for an upcoming role. However, her lawyer stated she now realises it was a very stupid action. Does it check out that she was preparing for a role? I don't think she was preparing for a role in the end, because, you know, she did kind of get fired from everything. But yeah, this was, this was November 2019, so this would have been, what, two and a half years after the season aired? Emanuela got herself into a little bit of legal trouble. So that's why she wasn't on Renaissance. What would have been better is if they filmed Renaissance back in the spring of 2019, and then she gets arrested for all of this. Well, the irony is, if um, if she had actually been on Renaissance, she probably wouldn't have been dealing drugs at Tomorrowland, because she would have been filming Renaissance at the time, because that was, that was roughly November 2019. Don't do drugs, do Vidim. Because, uh, I mean, you could really say that... The fun never stops is the slogan for things that go on at Tomorrowland instead of things that go on at, at on Vidim, Oregon. Yeah, the good news is, for us at least, we can completely ignore the fact that Emanuela was dealing drugs two and a half years after this season, and just talk about how much of a fun character she is in this season. Because I think it's fair to say, just like with the Euroan boot, how we were discussing how you kind of understand why I'd completely forgotten about Euroan, I think you understand why... I wanted you to watch this season now. And it's, I'd say, about 90% Emanuela that I wanted you to watch this season because she's an amazing character. I'm going to rope you. I don't think anyone has ever had such a tour de force performance in one challenge as Emanuela in the laser game. I said this when we were doing episode two, but I'm pretty sure that is the only gif that the Vidim producers have actually done themselves and actually tweeted out is the gif. And in fact, I did have an excuse to tweet it out again last week when I did the announcement that we were doing Oregon. And I love how we're already starting to eulogise Emanuela rather than, you know, actually talking about the rest of the episode. Is she still in prison? No, as far as I'm aware, she's out now. I think it may have been a suspended sentence. So when we talked about the city of Vospotter at the Vidim Georgia reunion special, right? Because that was in 2018. 
Yeah, she was at Georgia because she was right next to Rick. Well, fittingly enough, her final Vidim reunion could have been the Columbia season. Yeah. have to say I haven't gone back to Columbia to, to double-check it, but yeah, fittingly, that could actually uh, have been the thing. She was jailed for two years, one suspended, and fined 8,000 euros. Jailed for two years? but And she got convicted in November of 2019? Yeah, but one of the years was suspended. Oh, so I see. She only actually did it, yeah. By the look of things. Yeah, I mean, she's probably never going to have an acting job again, or it's going to be a while. Yeah, there's a rumour that she's going to be on uh, on the next season of Dutch Survivor, which does have celebrities on it, and a fair bit of Vidim crossover, to be fair. Well, yeah, who's that one that was on Vidim Columbia? That was Evie. Yeah, because she hosted Dutch Survivor? Yeah, that was all she was kind of famous for at that point. Then pretty much intentionally throws it just because she wasn't enjoying herself on Vidim? Yeah, despite the fact that pretty much everyone suspected it. Uh, so, yeah, let's shift gears. Sane, uh makes everyone cheers to uh, Strawberry for all of them making it through a non-elimination. Yeah, it's not like they were pretty much going to force on this episode if Emmanuel had gone home last episode. I don't know how they would have done it. Maybe they would have done a twist to the balloon shooting challenge or something, but... I genuinely have no idea how they would have done it if if Emanuela hadn't have saved the right person as it ended up being. Yeah, they'd have to really tilt the table to make sure it was an elimination this episode. So previously, the final five returned to Pendleton and explored an underground city where changes had been made. Emanuela earned the right to not see her screen and save two others, but despite a bit of guilt tripping from both Sana and Thomas, they were the only ones to see their screens. As both are green, everyone was sent through to this episode. They are now in Bend. Art says Emanuela chose wisely to save the group, but that means one of her, Joachim and Diedrich, should have gone home. During the next assignment, they will learn about each other. A bit late for that in episode 7, but a lot can be lost in the ether. The episode title is Dazzling. And during the cheersing with the strawberry scene, they also decide to let Thomas become treasurer, and he says he's waited because he didn't know how it worked, but he's ready to be treasurer now. Um, I don't think there's much to being treasurer... You're given money, you hang on to the money. Yeah, it's essentially, here's some money, don't do anything stupid with it. Don't spend it on drugs at Tomorrowland. They head to the McKenzie Pass for the first assignment. Joachim describes it as looking like the surface of the moon. Art says that they will be spread over the lava field surrounding the D-Wright Observatory. Each of them will get five questions about the others, and two walkie-talkies, one to listen to, and one to speak with. With a little eta discipline, they should be able to answer them all in 15 minutes. Only answers given through the radio will count, and they will earn 100 euros per correct answer. How would you have dealt with this challenge? This was a tough challenge to try and figure out if to perform effectively. It would be very easy for them all to mold this challenge up and really reduce how many answers you get right. Yeah, I seem to remember the mold did do a fair bit of molding in this challenge. As much as I like this challenge on the surface of it, this does fall into the category for me of challenges that are a little bit too easy for the mold to just mess one thing up and ruin for everyone else. Yeah, because 15 minutes does not seem a long time limit because they all have to figure out how the challenge works first, which I believe took them seven or eight minutes before they figured it out. Yeah, it was it was eight minutes before they answered one question. Yeah, and then they only have seven minutes after that to try and answer the next 24 questions. 
and it has to be very structured and very organized. So I'm actually surprised they got as much money as they did for this challenge. Yeah, it was a pretty surprising result that they managed to get eight of the 25 questions correct. I was expecting like four, maybe five, and then Art says eight. I'm like, oh, actually, that's, I think even without the mole, that's uh, that's about as much as I was expecting if there was no mole present at all. Diedrich thinks that everyone will start shouting, so he decides to take the lead in the challenge. What none of them realise is the walkie-talkies are one way. They need to form a chain to transfer the answers. Thomas can only hear Joachim, who can only hear Sanna, who can only hear Diedrich, who can only hear Emanuela, who can only hear Thomas. Diedrich gives a long speech, without realising that only Sanna can hear it. And after seven minutes they do work out the trick, Diedrich says it complicates things, and headbutts one of his (laughs) walkie-talkies. They finally answer the first question after eight minutes, which was what Joachim would eat if it was the only thing he could eat forever. And he changes his mind from a shvarma to spare ribs. Emanuela, without realising that she's the only one who Diedrich can hear, ends up telling Diedrich that he has two tattoos, a picture of Einstein on his leg and a scientific formula on his ankle, and he then confirms that to Sanna. And this is predictably a complete mess. Especially as Thomas did say about ten times that he gets emotional when listening to classical music. I get emotional when listening to classical music. I get emotional when listening to classical music. I get emotional when I'm listening to classical music. The irony is, of course, the more that Thomas has to say this, the more likely it is that he's going to cry. Well, he did say it about ten times, I think, in the episode. And then time runs out. Of the 25 questions they could have answered, they answered eight correctly for a total of 800 out of a possible 2,500. And Art has kind of got a bit tired of their shit by this point and just describes it as a complete fail. Like, he's not subtle anymore. He's lost his temper with them now. What's funny is even after they get all that money, Emmanuel's like, whoa, eight? Okay, that's that's better than I thought. She just has low expectations now. But yeah, and just the way that some of the questions went where... What was the one weird question? What does Joachim like to order from the Chinese? where there is major miscommunication on that one. And then uh, the name of Diedrich's first kiss, and how old was he? Apparently it was a woman named Femke when he was 19. Femke is in the actress Femke Janssen. He just loves a Bond girl. Bond. Molecular Bond. Yeah, it's a science joke, because Femke Janssen played Xenia on a top in Goldeneye, and also Jean Grey in the X-Men films. Same person I wouldn't have guessed. So after the challenge, Emanuela thinks that Diedrich was the kink in the cable, he had no answers written down, and like pretty much everyone else. And on the way to the hotel, Joachim realises that his yoga is missing from where he put it in his bag. Thomas took it, and he tells Diedrich in their room, and apparently Joachim told Thomas that he had already played it. I think this incident is what was the last straw for producers, because nothing more gets stolen after this. Yeah, I think from Georgia onwards, they probably put in a blanket rule that you can't mess with other people's stuff. You can't steal other possessions for personal gain in the season. Because it could really, I mean, it would set a very, very bad precedent. I mean, there, there is a bit of irony in us talking about this scene when you are currently doing the Tarstorian episode of the one where the twinnies steal James and Abba's money. Yeah, but it's not like they went into their their backpack to take the money. Not if you believe people on Reddit. If you look at Reddit, they literally went into James and Abba's wallet and stole everything because they're horrible people. Yeah, well, <laughs> we actually go with the truth and not not random speculation on Reddit. 
If James and Eva didn't get upset about their money being stolen, I don't think it was actually taken from their bag. So Art appears at the hotel to meet them in the afternoon. He asks who's up for a trip in a convertible and is looking for three people. Would you have fallen for this trick? What was the exact wording? Was it just pick three people to ride in a convertible? Who's up for a trip tomorrow in a convertible? I think so, because I don't think the contestants would figure out what the alternative is. You wouldn't figure out what the alternative is, but you'd maybe think, I'm going to hold out and find out what the alternative is. But then you miss out on riding in an American convertible. Yeah, but instead you get to wake up and fly over Oregon in your own hot air balloon. And I know which is cooler. Yeah. But hot air balloons are just not something I would associate with the state of Oregon. Yeah, but neither is the Wild West. We've already discussed that at length. I know we talk a lot about cool experiences, especially when it comes to Belgium Mole, and I'm, I'm thinking of mainly stuff like the night at the Vietnamese temple and then learning Vovinam. I think the hot air balloon over Oregon is one of the coolest things they've done on Vidim, at least in my memory. That is a really cool experience for Dijk and Emanuela. Yeah, especially with how varied the landscape of Oregon is, because we get to see a lot of very scenic places in Oregon that not only do not many Canadians know about, but I don't think that many Americans even know about how varied Oregon's landscape is. There are a lot of cool scenic places there. I'm sure we will be discussing this a bit more in the finale in the reunion episode, but Oregon is a location on paper you go, Oregon, really, of all places? But I think challenges like this make you go, yeah, Oregon really works. Especially with the first challenge where it's like, hmm, I did not expect a place in Oregon to just have those sort of visuals. Yeah, it's a very interesting choice. And it's something along the lines of a location I would love to see Belgium ever go at. It's somewhere like Oregon where at first glance you go, really? Oregon? But then by the end of it you go, Oregon works. And why is Art dressed up like a baseball coach for the second challenge? I think he just went kind of peak America. Art had a blast in in Oregon, you can tell. He just wanted to wear all his plaid shirts and stuff, didn't he? It's like somebody who isn't American tries really, really hard to look like an American. And then Art's like, oh, what do Americans look like? What do they like? Oh, yeah, baseball. I'll dress up as a baseball coach. So after much debate, they do decide that Joachim, Sanna and Thomas will be in the convertible, and Diedrich jokes to the group that him and Emanuela will be going in a Zeppelin the next day instead. Hopefully not a Hindenburg. No, hopefully not the Hindenburg. However, his guess actually wasn't far from the truth. And they wake up early on day 13. Art teases Joachim, Sanna and Thomas by telling them that Diedrich and Emanuela will be in a hot air balloon each. They will have to read the phone number on the bottom of the baskets to pass on a code to one of Emanuela and Diedrich to then unlock the pouch with the next number in, to call the other person, to have a code, to then get the location that the car needs to drive to. When they do that, they will hear the location where Art will be waiting. If they arrive before 8am, they'll earn 1500 euros for the pot, and he sets them off at 6.46am. I like how Manuel essentially tries to instruct the hot air balloon crew to drive the hot air balloon towards the, the convertibles. And he's just like, no. That's not how a hot air balloon works. We can't just turn around like a... There's not, we don't have a steering wheel to just make a U-turn and go in a certain direction. You know who I was really disappointed didn't make this episode? Ruben? Well, Ruben would have been a good choice, but I was more thinking of Euroan, because if there's anyone who is 
suited to a challenge that is full of hot air, it's probably your own. I was about to say, is there going to be a hot air joke in there? <laughs> I'm nothing if not predictable. If only he was dressed up as Elvis Presley. And Thomas gets a telescope to read the numbers from the back of the car. And Emanuela tries whistling to get their attention, and it works exactly as well as you'd expect. Yeah, I'm thinking, isn't there like a thousand feet difference between you guys? I must say, Thomas and Yoakam looked absolutely ridiculous with their telescopes. Isn't it pretty bad how Santa doesn't look the most ridiculous person in that car, despite the fact she's wearing a headscarf? Yeah, I'm thinking that looks more like 1920s France than present day Oregon. They try ringing Emanuela, not realising that the number is too short, even though Santa does tell them it's too short. And Emanuela tries getting her aeronaut to direct the balloon, but they can only move with the wind. I swear music from uh, James Bond's soundtrack plays whenever they get Diedrich's code. I didn't notice that. I did notice another piece of music which made me remember something from the time, in the third challenge of the episode, but I didn't notice anything in this one. Yeah, I'm like, I'm pretty sure I was thinking, isn't this like music from Goldfinger or something? I don't know. I'd have to look it up. Thomas struggles to focus his telescope, but he does eventually see 84783 on Diedrich's balloon. Sana points out that numbers in Oregon begin with 5-0, so the order is Emmanuel's number and then Diedrich's. In the pouch are two envelopes, one saying 503-568-5050 and 249, and Emmanuela then volunteers to ring Diedrich. Diedrich's pouch tells them that Art is waiting at Peter Skeen Ogden State Park in Terrebonne. He also gets a phone number, which is 503-568-4285, and has a nice catch-up with Thomas on the phone. Thomas then struggles to hear him over the burner of the balloon, and with 21 minutes left, the car pulls up to get the destination. And Diedrich's communication of the destination is weird to me. You should pull over. What? What? Eight? Eight? He spends forever telling them to pull over anyway, but... Surely rather than leading with Peter Skeen Ogden State Park, you lead with Terrebonne, because then at least if they're struggling to hear you, they've got a rough direction to go in as you're trying to communicate. He starts with the least important bit of information. The absolute crucial thing that you need when you're doing a challenge like this, if someone is trying to communicate a location to you, is the rough direction you need to be driving in. Because every second counts, you've got 21 minutes at this point to get to Peter Skeen Ogden State Park. Can you say that in a Stassi Schroeder voice? Every second counts when you're on Via's the Mall. Don't you know that? It kind of does. <laughs> <laughs> like, just tell them Terravon, and then wait for a break in the burner to be able to tell them Peter Ski and Ogden State Park. Rather than try to insist that a whole sentence, that there are way too many words that everyone else thinks should be relevant yeah, he's he's trying to give them Peter Ski and Ogden State Park, but that's not the important thing unless you can stop and find directions from someone. The important thing is Terrebonne, so they can look for road signs. Yeah, you gotta really narrow it down when there's loud noise. Like, uh, in the movie True Lies, I mean, Arnold Schwarzenegger just kept it down to four words. He just said, the bridge is out. What? The bridge is out. And then here you have Diedrich trying to, you know, tell a whole story here about where they need to go. Yeah, a classic mole tactic here, if you ask me, would be give them far too much information. And that's exactly what Diedrich does in this challenge. He gives them far too much information far too early. Yeah, that was way too many syllables. Arnold kept it down to four syllables. Yeah. So they arrive with five minutes to spare and earn the 1,500 euros for the pot, but not before Art teases them by saying they were too late. 
Yeah, he really misled them. Before. I even initially wrote down my notes thinking, oh, they lost another challenge. Oh, no, wait, they actually won and Art kind of lied to them? Art is a complete dick. I like how when they earn money for the pot, that it's 9,210 euros. I'm thinking, well, they're really close to it being the Vidim Beverly Hills, because of Beverly Hills 90210. It's just that Vidim's too cheap, so the first zero in that number has to be dropped. And then Sané was saying, it wasn't my fault today. It wasn't my fault we didn't lose money. Thomas delayed it with his phone calls, with the, using the phone, and Yakum could have pretended not to not read the numbers, but she thinks her driving was A-OK, so none of the suspicion is on her. Which, as a member of the audience, the first thing you think is, hmm, that's pretty suspicious to say you're not suspicious. How would you have played that challenge, do you think, as both a player and a mole? Well, I mean, they earned the money, and they just... I mean, if there's a lot of mole in the previous challenge, maybe you just don't do anything here. But if you are the mole, I'm guessing it's the communication aspect of it that you really want to screw up. I mean, Diedrich had a pretty good strategy that wasted a lot of time. Or be Thomas or Yakum and really suck with using a telescope. I think the the key delaying tactic is to just prevaricate as much as possible. If you're in the balloons, just keep giving them as much information as you can. Keep doing it over the burner when you know it's about to get flared up. Keep repeating things. Keep missing out important information. If you're in the car, you just pretend to mishear them constantly. Or you screw up with the number to delay actually getting the initial communication. You can tell who was arrested for selling drugs because Diedrich struggled with the with the burner, but Emanuela didn't struggle with the burner. That is true. I wish I'd never told you that now. I'm just getting loads of drug jokes this episode, aren't we? <laughs> so they reconvene at a pancake house where Joachim spoils the mood by mentioning his yoga. He admits he made it during the Pony Express assignments, and they agreed in the hotel rooms that they wouldn't steal from each other anymore. And Thomas does feel a little bit guilty for taking it. I don't know if he feels a little bit guilty, considering the exchange we're going to get after the final challenge, when the Joker is held for ransom. He does at this point. And now the third challenge. Did you recognise the music that they played to introduce this third challenge? Yeah, it was the Back to the Future music. It wasn't. It was the Westworld version of Paint It Black by the Rolling Stones. Oh, yeah, 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 right, right, right. Oh, I do have that in my next note. Where, why do they have Back to the Future music? Oh, it might have been before the challenge. Before the challenge is Back to the Future music, because I wrote that in my notes, and I said, whoa, now it's the instrumentals for Paint It Black? <laughs> it's specifically the version from Westworld, the HBO show, because at the time when this aired, I actually looked up what this version of Paint It Black was, because it's a really good version. <laughs> I can't remember who the composer is of Westworld, but he does some cracking versions of uh, classic rock music in that style. And uh, Paint It Black's probably the most famous instance of that. Fun fact, the composer of Westworld is a guy called Ramin Djawadi, who you may recognise the name of from the Belgian Mole Germany Final 3 episode, because he also did Game of Thrones. Ah, that's the same freaking guy. He is German. <laughs> well, that's a hell of a mole coincidence. My mind is blown right now. I think it just went... <laughs> So yeah, there's a uh, Belgium-Germany connection for you. The more you know. I can't wait for that to come up in Jeopardy. And the first chunk of the challenge, everyone knows that there's got to be some sort of trick because they're just told to go around a course first. 
just go around the course and then you'll get a time. So your first thought is, hmm, do I go really, really slow? Because inevitably, whatever I do next will have to improve upon that time. That was my first thought when Art explained the task was, hmm, it's probably going to be one of those, okay, you did this, now you're going to have to try and do it in half the time, or for each second you do it faster, you get 100 euros. So I was thinking, hmm, all the contestants should catch on that they need to go pretty slow here. I think if it hadn't been a non-elimination episode last episode, then this challenge would have been rejigged and it would have been the fastest person got to not see their screen and got to pick one other person who didn't or something similar. Yeah, or whoever did, Yeah, whoever does it the fastest get is... Uh, oh no, because they need multiple people exempt. Yeah, they need as many people exempt as they can possibly make it. Yeah, this is probably the easiest challenge to hand out an exemption by far since it's all individual. Maybe be like, if you can shoot all the targets in less than 90 seconds or less than a minute, uh, you don't get to see your screen. Because everyone does the initial course in under 60 seconds. I mean, Santa starts out with 59 seconds. The best thing about Santa's attempt is that Art relentlessly mocks her. He jokes at one point that they'll be cut into a commercial break at this point because he's so slow on a horse. What's funny, though, is that it's the best strategy possible because then she's guaranteed her money for the group. It's the best tactic possible. But also, it's really funny from a production point of view of just having art there heckling her, basically. You suck. Why don't you go faster? Why don't you go faster? You're not supposed to earn this much money. We're on a shoestring budget. What would be your tactic as well? Would you be trying to do this as fast as possible to begin with? Yeah, you just pretend that you don't know what the challenge is supposed to be because art told you to go fast. So it's like, well, I guess I'll go as fast as I can and be like Thomas and do it in 32 seconds or Diedrich who did it in 34 seconds. Because both of them claim they have absolutely no experience in riding horses. And then you have freaking Thomas ride through it like he's like riding Seabiscuit. So yeah, Santa gets 59. Joachim is at least a little bit faster. He gets 42. Diedrich has no experience, but he says it's very exciting and sets the time of 34. Emanuela gets the horse to go backwards and sets the time of 44. And then Thomas sets the best time of 32 seconds. The actual assignment is a pastime in Oregon, mounted shooting. They'll have to ride the course again and shoot balloons along the way with five bullets in their gun. They will bank money if they return in less time than they took the first time. They get 100 euros per balloon shot for a potential maximum of 2,500. And they decide to shout each other when half of their time is gone. Thomas is the first to go up. He shoots two balloons but misses his time and earns nothing. I like how he says, well, you know, I guess it's fitting that right after world champion Dan, then Thomas has to go. Where it's like, whoever goes first after the world champion is not going to be able to figure out the technique. It's definitely something you want to see other people do a couple times, and then you figure out what the strategy is. I like how they also try to yell at each other, even though I'm pretty sure they were wearing earplugs from the bullets. They were to protect them against the gunshots. They were wearing earplugs. Yeah, it's like, I think you got to go for a visual signal instead of an audio signal. So yeah, he shoots two balloons, but earns nothing because he's too slow. Diedrich is next up. He has 34 seconds to shoot, he dawdles but shoots one, and returns with 8 seconds to spare. Joachim is third, he has 41 seconds, he returns with 4 balloons and 18 seconds left on the clock. Emmanuel is fourth, she's got 44 seconds, and returns with 19 on the clock, and hits 3 balloons. And then Sanna is last, has 59 seconds, and returns with 35 on the clock, and 3 balloons shot, earning them 1100 euros of 2500 for the challenge, 
3,400 out of 6,500 for the episode, and 10,310 or 50,250 for the season so far. And we get a Belgian cartoon reference, because Joachim says he felt like Lucky Luke, which is a popular Belgian comic character, which also got its own video game for the Super... Because I didn't know about Lucky Luke until a couple days ago, because I was watching about Super Nintendo games that only got a PAL release, only a European release, and one of them was Lucky Luke. So I, I watched this episode a week ago, had no idea who Lucky Luke was, and then I watched a video game footage of Lucky Luke, and then I just saw my notes down, like, whoa, that's a hell of a coincidence. And then there's a Belgian tie-in, because it's apparently a Belgian cartoon. Then it looks like the villains in that are the same cluster of villains I've seen in like 20 different comic strips, it seems. The Daltons, that's who they are, the Daltons. So Art warns them to prepare for test and execution, and he's actually broadly proud of them after this challenge. They didn't shame him this time. Yeah, they. I mean, three out of five passed. The only two who failed were the were the two people who had the quickest initial time. Now everyone apart from Thomas passed. Oh, even Diedrich passed too? Yeah, Diedrich only had one balloon, but he passed. Okay. What were the exact earnings then? Uh, so Thomas got zero, but should have got two if he'd actually got back in time. Diedrich got one, Joachim got four, Emmanuel hit three, Sana hit three. Because this was actually incredibly difficult to work out how many each person had got, but it does add to 11, it's right. So Thomas does a house call for Joachim, he admits having the yoker, but won't give it back without a deal. He proposes that he should be able to look in Joachim's but for two minutes in exchange for the yoker. Joachim agrees because he has three, maybe four people on his list, so he's playing the Yoker regardless. And he wants a back rub too. Well, yeah, that's implied. But Thomas learns absolutely nothing from this. This exchange. And Joachim gets his Yoker back. Yeah, it's just like a show of power. I've got your Yoker, let me look in your mole journal pointlessly for two minutes, and you get me a back rub, and feed me grapes too. So it's now time for the test. 20 questions on the identity and actions of the mole. Whoever knows least will go home, except for the mole who can never go home. Joachim has a yoker, and the test takes place in Drake Park. Emanuela says everyone is sharp and wants to make the finale. The group is getting better at assignments, but everyone is playing more like an individual. Diedrich says he's mainly on Sana, but still wants to spread. They're reaching the point where that becomes a gamble, because if everyone is on Sana, he goes home by spreading his test. 15 of his answers are on Sana, and 5 on Joachim. Joachim's going full on Diedrich, because everyone has a mole in sight. He has to do the test quickly, or it's over, and he plays his yoker. Sana has to choose between going fully on Joachim like last time, where she got a green screen, or putting a few more on Thomas, because he was quite mole-like in all of the challenges in this episode, and Thomas is staying on his suspects, Sana as she's not brought in much money, and Joachim because he's a klutz. Art says that it can be a disadvantage and an advantage not seeing your screen, knowledge is power especially in this stage of the game, Diedrich and Joachim get green screens before their former saviour Emanuela goes home herself. And then Joachim says, my mole teacher taught me everything, is now gone. And we don't get any Drake playing, despite all of the movie soundtracks and all the different songs that play in this episode. We're at a place called Drake Park, and not a single Drake hit is played. And not a single pirate is left out for wearing a skirt. Figured you were going to go the Survivor Pearl Islands route. You know me too well. I wish they would have just briefly flashed the meme on screen, the, the Drake meme, where it's like, he's all happy and says, Oh, not being able to see your screen in the last episode and then have the facial expression where he's turned away, but then having to see your red screen the very next episode and get executed, that would have been great for Drake Park. 
And Emanuela says she did her best at the execution, but she can be quite calm about it all. She was very sure on her mole for weeks, and she's very sure she'll be proven right at the reunion. And she thinks that she lost on time. Probably not. I can confirm she did not lose on time. So next time, the final four visit Painted Hills and cycle through looking for letters. They search for antiques, and there is a challenge worth more than any other that has come before it, as they hide from each other in the bush. Spoilers, it isn't the most valuable challenge of the season. So, who do you suspect, Mr. Saunders? Number one is Thomas, number two is Diedrich, number three is Sana, and number four is Joachim. And my suspects at the time in order were Diedrich, Joachim, Thomas, and then Sana. And the Bothers Bar top three were Joachim, Sana, and then Diedrich and Thomas equally. Oh, so everyone was involved. Everyone was involved, but uh, Joachim was first, Sana was second, and then Diedrich and Thomas were tied third. Weird, I'm the exact opposite of Bothers Bar. You are. Yeah, it's quite impressive, that, actually. I didn't realise that. And we kind of already eulogized Emanuela. I don't know if you have anything else to add, Michael. No, I mean, I've said a lot about her in the past seven episodes. She is by far the highlight of this season for me. She's one of the best characters they've ever cast on Vidim. It's a crying shame that she got herself caught dealing drugs, because she probably would have come back in Renaissance, or would have been a favourite to come back in Renaissance, at least more than Yeroen. And I think, assuming she's paid her dues, it's more than likely that if they did another All-Star season, she would be the Oregon representative, I think. Yeah, I guess there was a mole in her own in her own life that probably ratted her out for what she was doing. Sabotage. And it was Sinan Chen all along. Oh, it's a Sinatage. It was another one in the long line of Sinan sabotages. I'm going to make everyone's life miserable by reporting a crime for Emanuela Shui so she can't go on Renaissance. So instead, everyone has to suck it up and deal with your Rowan for nine weeks. Sinatage. Who do you think is going to be our fourth placer? Um, Diedrich. Interesting choice. Because Joachim probably has even more information now, sadly. Because he always knows who all of his executed victims have been going for, or all of his executed allies. Yeah, he does seem to be allying with pretty much everyone who goes home, doesn't he? Yeah, so you hope that he has more information. But then you remember this is Joachim. Nothing's guaranteed. Have you got anything else you want to say? Nope. Excellent. In that case, thank you for listening to this Fears Mall 2017 recap. We'll be back next week to continue the hunt for another old mall in Oregon. Don't forget you can contact us on Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, or Instagram, where we are RTV Warriors. Or you can email us and contact us at rtvwarriors.com. Logan's on Twitter at Logs of Kowaki, and I'm MJ Harmstone. Thank you as always to Marika for the subtitles, and we'll see you next week. Peace out, and just chill till the next flavoring.